Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Ben, it only took a global pandemic for me to start running again. Um, so it's it's really amazing uh, what life has to throw at you in order to get back out the door. So uh, trying to not to lose my sanity. Hope you're uh, doing the same. Yeah, man, it's it's fun going running now. I think for me, it just other just so that I can get outside um, and not be in the house all day um doing trying to do workouts and stuff though it's pretty mentally challenging you you go out for a workout you start you get through like the first mile or something and you're like start hurting and you're like what why am i doing this again like what, what am i training for and why am i putting myself through this um still haven't gotten any answers to that question yet um yeah. but it's been nice to be outside running i hope everybody's doing the same responsibly being smart um, and trying not to uh, go insane with this uh, pandemic. Yep, yep. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, you know, if you guys uh, you know have any extra story ideas or leads or anything that you're interested in, maybe us, uh, maybe us talking about, uh, shoot us a message, email, DM. We'll always entertain everything. Can't promise that we can do everything, but we'll certainly uh, look into it. So uh, we want to make sure we bring you guys enough good content. And uh, we'll we'll slowly limp our way through the next uh, couple months <laughs> before we get to summer rankings and whatnot. So um, yeah, we'll get there. Hey, yeah, we're 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 going along just fine. We're almost at the end of March. We're we're headed strong into April. I, I I'm confident that we'll be able to figure it out. Hopefully, let's knock on wood. Um. So before we get started, just a brief reminder to uh, give us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're up to 42 ratings. Keep those coming. We're on a march to 50. It would really be great if we could see a spike in the ratings while everybody's at home and listening to podcasts. Hopefully, hopefully we could be part of that routine that you guys are developing. It really would mean a lot as we try to um, increase our uh, visibility with this podcast. Go leave us a rating. Go leave us a rating. That, just just go go to the Apple thing and just hit the five stars. Just say cool in the in the comments. That's all you need to do. So I'm, yeah. playing, I'm playing good cop, bad cop with Ben here today. <laughs> yeah, I just do it. it. It's it's not hard. We can we can do this. Um, but yeah, we do appreciate the 42 of you who have done that, and we're looking for even more to uh, keep adding to our numbers. But um, why don't we move on to kind of what we're going to be talking about? So the two things I think on our agenda are we're going to kind of do a recap a little bit of our awards that we did last week because the USTF CCA um, just announced their awards. And then we'll get into maybe some discussion on some of the top high school recruits and maybe how they'll impact uh, their prospective teams next year. Um, but Garrett, the, like I said, the USTF, CCA announced their runner of the year and their coach of the year. And I thought that was interesting because we just gave out those awards last week. They so the, yes, exactly. I, they saw what we were doing and they, they knew that we were, we had a good idea. So of course. <laughs> um, on the men's side, the runner of the year was Tyler day on the women's side. It was Danny Jones. So we agree on Danny Jones, but they went a little bit of a different direction with Tyler Day. I wasn't too surprised, but what did you think of uh, their selection of Tyler Day? 
I, I thought it was appropriate. Like, I don't think it was shocking by any means. I think if we didn't choose James West, it was probably going to be Tyler Day next. I mean, it was already close with Tyler Day to begin with. Um, the American collegiate record in the 5K, running 13-16, coming back to run 745, altitude converted 359. I get it. I totally get it. I mean, he was he was on fire running top-tier times. Um, you know, again, value is such a relative subjective kind of uh you know term so i i get it i i totally don't have any problems with him winning the award kudos to him that he was yeah one heck of a season yeah if we're just basing this off a regular season and what he did like you just listed off all those times it he certainly was not a bad selection definitely could have been the the runner we gave the mvp award to and as for Danny Jones, I guess uh, my hesitation to giving it, uh, giving that award to her was not felt by this committee. Um, they went ahead with what you saw as the easy choice in Danny Jones. I was actually listening back to that podcast before we got on today, and I still couldn't figure out any rationale where you <laughs> wouldn't pick Danny Jones. I was just so... I was just like, I don't know how Ben can do this. Like I'm in the shower listening to it and just like washing my hair. I'm like, maybe he thought this. I No, I, I don't think that makes sense. And yeah, well, it was a right choice by the US, uh, USTFCCCA. So yeah, we, we're not going to have too many arguments about that. And for uh, coach of the year, we didn't really see any women distance coaches take home awards, but we did see Mike Smith take home the head coach of the year and Ben Thomas take home the assistant of the year, thus really validating our uh, dual uh, giving of the award to those two guys. I think that represented how close this was um, since Ben Thomas is not the head coach of the overall track program. He was able to be the assistant of the year, but I thought that was a really fitting way of uh, validating what both of these men brought to their programs this year. Yeah, I, I actually saw when he won the assistant coach of the year, I just kind of chuckled. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that <laughs> makes sense. Like he was just as good. Um, so I'm glad that they both got recognized because really it, it it's it just hurts to think that one coach would be picked over the other. Both NAU and Oregon were incredible this year. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great way of kind of breaking the tie, giving them both awards. And I'm happy for both coaches and both programs who had fantastic years and I'm sure we'll have fa fantastic years to come, which leads us into our discussion on recruits. So with most of the high school uh, top elite runners uh, committing to their prospective schools, whether it was in the fall or earlier this winter, we have um, kind of a list and I think we're going to trade back and forth on who we think can impact uh, their schools tremendously in the next, uh, whether it's the next fall or next spring. There was a, I don't know about you, Garrett, but this high school class seemed just talent deep. Like there are a lot of game changers uh, on the men's and women's side that I think are going to be making a lot of noise and making that freshman of the year award that we're going to give next year a real, real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. The depth of this year's recruiting class on both the men's and women's side it just seems so unbelievably deep and it kind of takes me back a little bit to that, that, um, that one year with Cooper Tier and Reed Brown and all those yeah. guys were being recruited and gosh, I can't even you know think about all the other names out there. 
Um, but it kind of brings me back to that year when it was just so loaded. It was just the top tier uh, names all going to the top tier schools. And there's a lot of names that aren't just really good, but the way that they can impact their upcoming programs on the distance side of things and middle distance side as well is going to be really unique. And I think we're going to see a lot of, I just think a lot of these incoming talents are going to be, you know, big game changers for their respective programs. Yeah, absolutely. So Garrett, who, well, let's start on the women's side. Pick one name that you'd like to focus on and who you're excited about seeing uh, as they enter college this next year. Well, I, I think the obvious starting point, at least on the women's side, I think it's, I mean, we can talk about Caitlin Tui, but I think at this point with that, you can't talk about Caitlin Tui going to NC State without pretty much that entire recruiting class. And we can, you know, may, basically, you know, Alyssa Hendricks and uh, Marley Stolliper as well, and Gianna Corzo and Clara Walters. And like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know there's another name I'm missing, like one or two more names I'm missing, but, um, you know, it's just like the list goes on and on and on of these top tier elite talents. Um, and it's, it's scary, impressive. I, I mean, I'm willing to say that this may be the best distance recruiting class on the women's side, at least maybe ever. I mean, maybe ever. It, it seriously is in consideration. Well, I mean, when you have Caitlin Tui, who might right. be the best recruit, distance recruit ever, possibly, uh, someone who we think is probably going to slide into an All-American status right away uh, in cross-country, who just took home so many titles, just getting her alone, I think, would validate that. But when you throw in Starlipper, who is also just extremely t uh, solid in cross-country, has some great track times as well. It just based off the strength of those two, and as you said, there are many others that pr will provide NC State depth next year and in the future. It, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that they could be the best class ever. Yeah, I really, really do. And now I'm kind of wondering what next year looks like, right? Because Arkansas kind of falls off a little bit. Um, you know, Arkansas falls off, BYU graduates their top three, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other programs. Stanford, uh, they lose a few key pieces, but they'll still be pretty competitive. But really, NC State, they lose Ellie Hennis, maybe like one or two others, but they bring back a heavy, heavy portion of that squad. Uh, Kelsey Spiel is going to be returning, kind of leading that team. And then they bring in all these superstar you know, high schoolers who could instantly have an impact. And I'm always hesitant about freshmen on big championship stages and, and things like that. But this is this is another level that you know. Dare I say, maybe it puts them into the national title conversation. And, and I'm I'm not ready to get there quite yet. It's still way too early. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there later. But it, it slowly kind of begins to be like, well, where does NC State rank among the nation's best? It's going to be tough. I I as you're going through that list, it's it is hard to imagine that we're going to have an overwhelming number one or even an overwhelming like top two or three that really stand out um, like we kind of did this year. And the like you said, fresh, freshmen are kind of the big X factor because how we do a lot of our predictions is based off of your performance from the year before among the collegiate ranks. And with freshmen, we just don't have that. We, we don't know, are they going to react well in a national championship atmosphere where you're running against 250 of the best men and women in the country it's hard to say um 
I think too, he's probably the safest bet uh, that we've had in a long time, just based off her, her dominant performances in cross country all over the place. Um, especially her performance in uh, what was it? The U S club uh, cross country championships when she yeah. finished second that, I mean, I think that really showed that she's going to be an immediate, I mean, dare I say top 10, top 20 type of talent right out of the gates. How the rest of the freshmen do that, that I, I think is could decide the season in terms of who takes home, whether it's a podium spot or even the national championship. Right, right. And really, NC State, the women were already so deep to begin with. You know, they mm-hmm. had depth out the wazoo. It was ridiculous. Now to add this, it's helpful, but really what's going to come down to it is which of those women, whether it's the freshmen or still the other the other women currently on that team, who's really going to take the step up and who's going to be that low stick and who's going to be that extra score that who's going to bring that scoring potency that they need. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's really just hard to, to imagine how much talent is on this program. Like I didn't even mention Jenna Schultz yet. And like, she has a 10, what, like a 10, 27, two mile PR. Like it's a, like when, when I can't even forget to like, when I can't remember to mention someone who has a 10, 27, two mile PR, that's insane. Like it's it's insane. I'm sorry, Jenna. I, I didn't mean to leave you off there. There's just so many great talents out there and um, NC State. It's going to be really, really interesting, and it's going to be very hard to gauge going forward. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to move on to uh, our next runner? Yes, let's do that. How about you give us a pick? Um, so I think that the biggest name besides Tui – has to be, and I'm probably going to butcher this name. Is it a thing? I think it's a thing. A thing. A thing Mu. Mu? Is that right? Mu? I think it's, yeah. oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I no <laughs> We're terrible at pronunciations. We'll just put put that out there. Um, But she is, like Tui, just a special kind of talent in her event. She What she has done as a high schooler, um, as a junior runner, is just incredible. 204, um, I think this past year, 53 in the 400. Obviously, numerous junior achievements. And she's headed to Texas A&M, who has a good history of developing young middle-distance talents, whether it was Donovan Brazier on the men's side, Sammy Watson on the uh, women's side. They had Jasmine Frey, obviously, um, last year who won the national championship as a senior. A ton of talent has come through Texan A&M. I trust that they're going to be able to utilize her and develop her into a national champion uh, eventually. But I'm really curious to see how big of an impact she's going to have next indoor and next outdoor season because – Looking at those fields, there could be a little bit of turnover. There could be there's a lot of seniors that could be graduating out. Um, I think she could step right in and be like a top three, top five kind of threat, and that seems even conservative. Um, what do you think her possibilities are next winter and next and uh, next spring? Gosh, it's it is really hard to dislike what she's already done, combined with the fact that. She's going to a program which has historically done extremely, extremely well with top-tier elite talents that are just like her. I mean, she has a 201-17 PR from, la, from the spring. I don't know if that was last spring. Or it, it was last spring. Um, 
from the USA Outdoor Championships. She's run 51.98 for the 400. Like, it's just absurd. It's just insane. Like, running 201 as a, as a high school junior, I think it was, um, that, that's just incredible. Um, and she, so she already has that championship experience, and she's already at these top-tier times. I mean, you know, Nia Aikens is gone. Um, there's going to be, a, like you said, a lot of heavy veteran turnover. There's going to be a lot of veteran names left. Carly Thomas will still probably be the favorite. But man, I mean, like you look at Jasmine Frey, she broke the collegiate indoor record. She later on her senior year rallied to eventually win the national title that spring. Sammy Watson, um, she was incredible. She eventually won a national title uh, the spring of her freshman year before going pro uh, a year later. I, I just, I, I almost want to say that Muse guaranteed a national title at one point. I mean, just she already has the accolades. I mean, she is, she is already. At, she's already at a national title kind of level. Yeah, and, and she just doesn't lose. Like if you scroll through her mile split profile, like all of last outdoor season, it was just dominance. I I mean, there's a few few cases where she was second or like at the Pan American Games or the U.S. Uh, versus Europe match where she's in the top eight rather than the top two, but. I, I mean, she's just so accustomed to winning that I, I feel confident about her ability to tactically uh, uh, battle it out with a lot of the collegiates. And when you have a 201 PR, you clearly have enough uh, speed and talent to be able to run any kind of race. She's starting at a place that I, I just can't remember very many uh high schoolers heading into their collegiate careers. I can't remember many people starting as far along as she is right now. Yeah. Yeah. She has that perfect combination of speed championship experience, the superstar accolade. She's got a 459 mile, which frankly, if you're running that fast in the 400 and 800, I know, right. You like, you don't run that fast in the mile. That almost never happens. It rarely yeah. does. Um, you know, there's maybe a few exceptions with, with someone with great range, but I mean, that is exceptional. And I think you're looking at a very similar instance where this is Jasmine Frey slash Sammy Watson 2.0. Um, and, and dare I say, maybe even better. Because that's how she, that's how good she is. And, and I, frankly, I'm actually shocked that she didn't go pro. Um, I, I really thought that she was maybe going to go pro. Same thing with Tui, but more so Mew. Yeah, I, I think she probably, uh, my guess is she probably looked at what Donovan Brazier did and was like hey if i if i can do a year like he had yeah. i and boost my profile even more and, and work with tech the, these great coaches at texas a&m i i think that's worth it at least for a, a shot um and well and go what what will be going into an olympic year could actually work out really well for her in uh 2021 that's true. That's right. I mean, gosh, we didn't even like talk about that. Well, it's a separate conversation for another day. Yeah. But yeah, the, the entire movement of, of the Olympics of 2021, which I don't know if that's super official yet, but it's extremely likely that that's going to be the case now. Um, I mean, it, it bodes well for her, right? Going into uh, next year. Uh, ben, over under one and a half years that she stays at Texas A&M, do you think, do you think that she goes pro, let's say, before she finishes her sophomore year? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. yeah. She's gonna she's gonna go pro eventually. Yeah, because like let's say she runs two flat next year, wins one national title. 
I, I, and then probably goes into USA's and has a great chance at making the Olympic team. I would say she turns pro before, before that, before the trials. Um, and just because there's so much potential there that I think a lot of companies would be willing to give her a pretty good, uh, contract going into the trials and getting in on her a little bit early before she's an Olympian. Right. No, I, I totally agree. So I, I think there's just way too much potential there. Um, but, but we'll see. So, yeah, absolutely. So Garrett, why don't you give me one more woman before we head to the men? Oh gosh. I had a whole list here. Um, well, you know what, one that I think may be interesting to talk about, um, let's talk about Taryn Parks in UNC because that was a really big pickup and not only is she a big pickup, but you know, Sarah trainer and, and a few other women that I just don't have, you know, right in front of me right now. But, but Taryn Parks is very specifically super important for this UNC program, which, you know, last year brings in coach Miltenberg and was truthfully better than I think a lot of their results maybe showed. Like, I mean, I think you look at what they could have done at ACC's, it could have been potentially very scary, like a top five finish at ACC's if everyone had run to their full potential. And I, if I'm seeing that much progress in Miltenberg's first year, and I see them bring in such strong top tier talent with really Parks kind of leading the way, I just thought that this was such a monumental and massively important pickup for UNC as they tried to restart and, and kind of you know rejuvenate uh, a program that was maybe towards the, the bottom half of the ACC. Yeah, with PRs of 437 uh, in the 1600 and 209 in the 800. And she, uh, I think, was a, yes, a footlocker national qualifier. It's, I mean, she's going to contribute in every like way for UNC on the track, indoor and outdoor, uh, middle distance. Uh, she'll probably slide right in scoring points at the ACC meet uh, for them and hopefully uh, as well at nationals. Um, and then also giving them more depth on the cross side. I, I can't imagine uh, UNC having a better option than getting her uh, as someone who is so versatile. And, and like you said, this is the kind of things that Coach Miltenberg needs to be. And these are the kind of athletes that Coach Miltenberg needs to be getting as uh, he tries to build this program back up. Um, and it wasn't a bad program, like you mentioned, um, when he inherited it. But he, I think this kind of signing is what is going to take them to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just Parks. You know, there's Sarah Trainer and um, I'm so sorry. I just don't have all the other names in front of me right now. But like, I know I just keep saying Sarah Trainer. There's more than Sarah Trainer. Um, more else. But you know, there, there's a lot of really solid names. But I just think like for for UNC to kind of have that, you know, I don't want to say the weight lifted off their shoulders, but to to have bring in such a top tier talent and kind of say, hey, this revamp is real. We're not just you know, we're not just going to sit back and do nothing. I mean, we knew Miltonberg was a great recruiter at Stanford. But it's also like it's kind of it's hard Stanford. To, it's Stanford. Like how do you like it's kind of hard to not recruit well at Stanford. Granted, the same thing could maybe be said about UNC, where it's like also great academically, probably at least warmer warmer down there than maybe it is here in Pennsylvania, where it was like forty degrees today, which isn't really that bad. But still, you know, like you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. generally speaking, good facilities, top good funding, et cetera, et cetera. Like you get what I'm saying, and you know. 
I just think that this was this was a really good defining pickup for them to really kind of have some impact across all three seasons. And that's what I think is important with Parks is that she can be the face of that program across all three seasons. Her cross-country accolades need to be a little bit better, but that this UNC program, give it a year or two, maybe give it two years, they're going to do something pretty special. Yeah, I think I think we kind of talked about that, um, how how long it would take for some of these new coaches to really elevate their programs. And I, I think a lot of us said, like, on, within three or four years, I think they'll get it going. And UNC seems right on course for that. Yeah, exactly. So at least they, you know, at, I'm no, I don't think this is going to happen overnight. Um, I think Milton Berg kind of went into this program with that understanding. But still, you know, just having a recognizable face and kind of have a, a star low stick, um, whether that's Parks now or Trainer later or someone else down the line or maybe it's Morgan Ilsay and or you know whoever it is, um, you know they'll they'll figure it out. But just just a good jump start that I wanted to point out before we move to the men. Absolutely. Well, why don't we move on to the men? Give me one name that you'd love to talk about and like to see uh, in action next fall. Well, so, you know, we've got a lot of names, right? We, we can go down the list and we can talk. Like, I think Nico Young we can talk about and Cole Sprout and Cruz, Cruz Culpepper, all those names. But the one name I really think is kind of interesting is Evan Holland. Uh, EJ mm-hmm. Holland, Evan Holland, I, I forget, um, of Oregon. Yeah, eh, name, names are my names are not my strong suit at this point. So, um, But Evan Holland, of, who's going to Oregon, that is a really scary good name for them, especially in cross country, mainly because, you know, Oregon, they bring back Tier. They bring, I'm pretty sure they bring back Messler. Uh, they bring back uh, Cole Hawker, who's really beginning to come into his own. I mean, we saw him really begin to step up. Um, they've got a lot of really solid depth they have for a while. I think Reed Brown will be back. Um, I don't know if Charlie Hunter will be back. Uh, they really only lose James West, though, out of last year's top squad. And having a, a potential low stick, or at least another potential really solid scoring piece in Holland, I think that's really that's really crucial. And oh, by the way, Affolder, he'll be healthy, hopefully, by that yes. point. Yes. Affolder mm-hmm. will hopefully be healthy by that point. So really, when you start going down these names, you start realizing Oregon can be really good. And personally, last year, I thought they were one piece away from really getting to that point. And when you look at other teams like BYU, they lose a, a good number of seniors. Casey Klinger is still going to be coming back from that mission. That's going to be kind of interesting to see how he adjusts. Um, there's gosh, there's a there's a few other programs like Stanford loses a, a ton of guys. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of who else. Like Iowa State loses some key veterans. Yeah. But basically, you go down the list and Oregon starts slowly sliding up, and you kind of add in the star guy who has just wrecked havoc at the high school level. And I'm starting to think Oregon's in a really good position to be on the podium next fall. Yeah, and, and Colorado's another name or another yeah. school that is losing a lot uh, after this fall. Yeah, I, I like the pick. Um, I, I think Holland, looking at what he's done, I mean, talk about a guy who just dominated in every race uh, this past cross-country season has uh, a 346 1500-meter PR from uh, the Portland Track Festival last uh, spring. That's that. I, I think that is really a, a good sign, especially headed to Oregon, 
um, with Coach Ben Thomas, who's great at utilizing the speed that you have. Um, I, I mean, we could see him be a kind of another Cole Hawker situation where he's running sub four right away in his indoor season um, and also contributing in a big way, top 100, top 70 even at the uh, national meet for cross country. And if he can surpass that, then I, I agree. I think we're talking about Oregon as maybe even more than a podium contender. Right. Absolutely. And I, I personally, and this is again, we're still months and months and months out for this. I still like NAU. I still think everyone likes NAU, mm-hmm. you know, yada, yada, yada. It's NAU. But, um, you know, Holland, when you take a look at this, you know, like an 852 mile PR, a 1430 5k PR, um, he was six at NXN, like just every credential is there to go down the line. And I just think there is a lot of untapped, scary, raw potential with him. Um, and you add him into that Oregon program, which Thomas is, you know, he's done extremely well. And man, I can't wait to see what Oregon can do finally getting back onto that podium. Um, you know, kind of interesting now. I think everyone was kind of surprised when I don't say surprised, but I think when, when Thomas went to uh, from Virginia tech to Oregon, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people saw him as more of like a track guy, like speed oriented, um, you know, maybe more on that mile kind of distance, which is true. That is, I think maybe he's coaching forte, but he's done a really solid job with some of his longer distance guys, you know, getting a, a top finish across country last fall, um, you know, Messler running th- uh, 1336, uh, guys running well in the 3k. I mean, generally speaking, this has been a, a really impressive showing of what Thomas can do in terms of developing distance talents. Um, above the mile and, and into cross country. So overall, this is um, an exciting year. I think what's going to be for Oregon. And moving on to another school that I had, I think had a really good recruiting class, Notre Dame uh, headlined by Josh Metner, who uh, took home the footlocker title was second at NXN to Nico young, just an absolute stud on the cross country course. We've seen, how Notre Dame can grow and cultivate their freshman talent. Um, we saw Dylan Jacobs run as a redshirt freshman run really, really well this past year. We saw Danny Kilray um, run as an All-American two years ago. And not only with Medner, but with the other guys that they got coming in, Carter Solomon, I, I really like what we could be seeing out of Notre Dame next year. We just kind of talked about how there seems to be a lot of teams in that top 10 from last year who are losing a lot. Notre Dame isn't really losing a lot and they're gaining a lot of talented freshmen next year. Man, I'll tell you, Notre Dame looks scary. I mean, they, they look scary. And the thing is, is that even after this next year and we get into the fall of 2021, um, like they lose, they'll lose Nagus and they'll lose a few veterans. But at that point, they might be even better. And which is just a scary just thing to think about when freshmen are already elevating to the next level. You know, you bring in, you know, bring in Josh Metner and Carter Solomon, who had one two at Foot Locker, and then Robbie Cozine, who was like a 1426 guy already, which is insane. There's there's a few other guys, like I think they got a like a top top finisher from uh, NXN as well. There's another like a top 30, top 40 guy as well. I don't have his name right in front of me right now, but there's a lot of really solid talent. 
And it's just this amazing thing where it's like Coach, Coach Carlson is just stacking and stacking and stacking these elite recruiting classes. And as of right now, and I'd, I'd have to take a look at all the other, you know, I'd have to take a look at all the other recruiting classes, but I'm not sure there's a recruiting class that's going to be better than Notre Dame right now. I just, I just don't. Yeah, no, I mean, just if you look at the everybody's resumes, I don't, I don't think you can make an argument for anybody other than Notre Dame. At least nobody that's coming to mind right now. No, at least not on the distance side. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you know we can talk about other you know events all day. You can maybe argue Washington with Dash Bosch and uh, Cole Pepper, but really, I mean, this is this is pretty impressive stuff. Um, so yeah, going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm curious to see which of these guys come into the fold this fall because I think generally speaking it's uh you know do we want to do they want to get them experienced to be prepared for 2021 do they think that they can go all in and be on the podium this year which I think could happen you know like it's it's just a really difficult thing to do because they've all Notre Dame has always been kind of um you know I don't want to say inconsistent but kind of unsure leaving us unsure about kind of where they're going to put their red shirts on to certain guys and it kind of leaves you with this guessing game of like, well, you know, Dylan Jacobs did, but he didn't do this and yada, yada, yada. So um, going to be really interesting, especially because a lot of their other uh, guys in this freshman class really haven't, we haven't really seen them at their full potential yet. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting for the next couple of years. Notre Dame, buckle up because they have some scary, scary talent that still hasn't even been fully shown yet. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to point out. They have some freshmen uh, who are who were there this year who we didn't really get to see, like Jake Renfrey, uh, Carter Cheeseman, um, guys that were elite recruits last year um, who we will hopefully get to see this next fall. And, I mean, this could be one of, uh, obviously, NAU's top seven. We've talked about how hard it is to make that. You can be a sub-14 guy and not be able to make it you could be an indoor qualifier and not make make the top seven but i mean notre dames is going to be really really tough you you think about the freshman that they have coming in this year the freshman that they had last year you and it's going to be an absolute dogfight just to be able to get into their varsity squad yeah absolutely i think you could i, I think there's arguments to be made that on paper notre dame should be Notre Dame will be one of the toughest teams to beat in the nation, arguably a top three team in theory. And if not now, then certainly by 2021, they'll be, you know, I would, I would say at least top two. I mean, I just, at that point, I don't see like who else is going to be coming close to them by the time these young talents refine their, you know, refine uh, their potential. So um, Notre Dame, watch out for them. Just when you thought they had like one or two, you know, fluke great recruit uh, recruiting classes, they just come on and they just keep stacking talent. So uh, props to them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gary, give me one more name uh, before we move on. Let's talk about, oh gosh, um, do we want to talk about the Washington duo of Leo Dashbosch and, I'm, I hope I'm saying that, Dashbach, I, I don't even know, uh, and Cruz Culpepper. Um, that's, a, that's a great, great combo. Uh, two really mild specialists. Dashbosch can, can move up and, and Culpepper can too. Um, but they're great tactically, outstanding range. Um, just they're going into a Washington program that is maybe behind Oregon in terms of being the best mile group or best mile roster in the country. 
Um, I just thought this was a really, you know, two really great fits to add right behind a recruiting class that also had from last year, like Sam Tanner and and Sam Affolder and Hauser and Maton and, um, uh, you know, someone else I'm missing, you know, like the list goes on. I just thought that this was a really, really important for Washington for long-term longevity, you know, long-term success, basically. Yeah, I mean, if they're if you want to go somewhere to run a sub four minute mile, you probably have Oregon and Washington circled at the top of your list, right? Um, so I think both of these guys, it would not surprise me at all to see them kind of follow in the path that Sam Tanner has um, gone this fresh his freshman year, where they're running, whether it's sub four miles or sub uh, what was it sub three forty fifteen hundred. Tanner this past indoor season and really being a factor in the uh, indoor qualification process right away obviously going to be qualifying for regionals in the spring of next year probably in the 15 Um, but I think the real interesting question was will be what will they what will or Washington excuse me get out of them in cross country will we see either of them whether it's next year or later on, will they develop into uh, top pieces for them as they try to get back onto the podium? Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. The cross country track difference, I think, is something that we need to keep in mind because I, I think you know I think they'll definitely be key in cross country. Don't get me wrong, but I think they're better on the track, and that's not to say that they're they're not going to be outstanding. In cross, but I just think that they're probably better suited for the track. Um, but still, I, I think how they fit in during the fall season on the grass, because this past fall, Washington, it was a little, you know, yeah. let, let, let's just put it this way. It was underwhelming. I'm, we're just going to put it flat out there. It was underwhelming. Um, and it was kind of that a weird, risky move of saying, well, there were some guys who were healthy and weren't healthy. And then Jordan came back, but some guys just didn't run as well. And then you kind of think, well, maybe they should have just redshirted everyone, prepared for next year. So really for the long term, seeing these two succeed and being able to contribute at a high level as a scorer in cross country, I think that's going to be clutch, um, at least super important moving forward. Uh, Cole Pepper was 20th at NXN and Dashbach was one of the few men who I thought could have challenged Neil Young, uh, Nico Young, excuse me, at NAU. Um or excuse me, at NXN, all these ends all the time <laughs> at NXN. And uh, yeah, I, I, I thought he was a great cross country piece as well. So we'll see. Um, I, just a lot of uncertainty moving forward, but a lot of great potential as well. Yeah. And I, I think that's really what we want to see out of Washington is if they can develop these milers and freshmen who are more middle distance oriented into cross-country pieces because I have no doubt about them on the track side like I am I feel really good about what they're going to be able to do in the winter and in the spring but the one question mark and just because just because I'm saying that it's a question mark doesn't mean I don't think that uh as a whole Washington's going to do a great job with Culpepper and Dashbach but I I think that's just the one area where you're where we're kind of especially after last season where we're left a little wanting where we just want to see uh, what they can produce and what the rest of that roster can produce uh, in this fall season. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, I, I just think it's going to be important down the line. So we'll see. They've got a, a lot of young talent 
Um, what next steps Washington takes uh, will be really interesting for their future, at least for their future in terms of cross-country success. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, 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 certainly. So why don't we, we had a few mailbag questions. Um, we did record a little bit earlier, so we, we probably are not going to have as many mailbag questions as we normally do. But first up, we have a hypothetical NCAA predictions if there have been, if there was a meet. I think we, we have these up, right? Yes, yes, we do. So um, believe it or not, we're not just a podcast. We have a website as well. Um, so yeah, uh, if you go to the stridereport.com, if you go to content and then you go to the menu bar there, you can see our NCAA predictions for everyone there. Um, that's that's who we had going on. So go check us out at uh, the stridereport.com and uh, go to our NCAA predictions page and you can search by D1, D2, D3, um, any, any distance event, 800 and up, includes DMR, and uh, we give our top eight All-American picks. So uh, we'll keep that up for a little bit, maybe for a couple more weeks, and then unfortunately take that down in a very somber mood. But yeah, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you can go check it out there. Uh, all right. Then we have NAU cross-country next season and NCAA preview next year. I obviously, we'll have NCAA preview uh, later on, but why don't why don't we talk a little bit about NAU and what we think they're going to be able to do next fall? Yeah, I mean, let's look. I love how everyone is like very excited about BYU, and I think it's great, and I think they're also going to be very competitive. But let's like NAU is still going to be the best. They're still the the best team in the country. They will be the best team in the country. I. I Sorry, no spoiler, but you know, like that's that's just kind of how it's going to be. Um, they just have the firepower, they have the depth. You know, guys have clearly stepped up. They lose only one guy from last year's lineup, and generally speaking, they were better than BYU for ninety percent of last fall. I, I don't BYU loses like two key veterans. Mance is coming off an injury. Klinger, yeah, he'll be back, but he's coming back from a mission trip where he you know wasn't training really for a year and a half or two years. You don't know how much of an impact he's going to have with only Shumway will be back. Shumway is he is he coming back? Yes, yeah, he'll be back next year. Oh, so that's good. All right, so yeah, so there you go. Shumway comes back. I think that's I think those are all really good pieces for a really great team. I still I think they're absolutely going to be back on the uh, you know the podium contender spot. But I think NAU at this point they they just have too much. And if you add in Nico Young. Who, if we think he's as good as he think he is, if we think he's the male version of Caitlin Tui, then he's going to be an All American as well. You know, like at this point, um, so I, I just don't see NAU losing. I, I really don't. I said no, that. I said that last year, though. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think they, on paper, are the clear favorites. Does that mean they'll automatically win? No, as we saw this last year. But I think the real interesting question will be who is in this top seven for NAU? Because we're going to leave off a really, really good name. I have a feeling uh, if we go through and predict this top seven. So I'm, I'm already having some, some problems right now. I'm, I'm almost hoping that Nico young red shirts, just because it would make my life easier in terms of predicting their top seven. Um, so like Drew Bosley will be on there. Yep. Uh, Abdi Nur will be on there. This is all assuming that these guys don't redshirt. Um, which some of these guys, a lot of these guys have already used their red shirt. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, so, oh gosh. So Bosley, Nur, Quax, Hasty. That's four. Grijalva. And I'm, this is not an order, by the way. Um, so that we're already at five. We're already at five. 
Blaze Pharaoh. Um, did I say quacks? Uh, <laughs> this is not good. So we we said, <laughs> so we said Bosley, Nur, uh, Hasty, Quacks. I think. Yeah, Bosley, Nur, Hasty, Quacks, uh, Grijalva, Pharaoh, and then if so, that's uh, six. If, so assuming Nico Young red shirts, which is possible, that I'm putting in Ryan Raff. Okay. Um, and a lot of this is also assuming that Blaze Farrell can stay healthy, which has also been kind of an inconsistency of his. Um, you can make an argument for Cade Burks at times. Like, uh, you know, some of these guys just need to stay healthy too. Um, but gosh, like that's ridiculous. <laughs> like between all those guys I just mentioned and Nico Young, I mean, there's someone's going to be left off the lineup again. Yeah. And I mean, we're not even talking about like the freshman from last year, Caleb Easton or Corey Gorgas, like oh my who, gosh, that's who, right. who knows what they're going to be capable of uh, a year into the program. It, it's, it is astounding the depth that you could probably go one through 10 and everyone you could be like, you could make a decent case for, they could be an all American, right? Maybe, maybe like, and that's well, we just last year. insane. Yeah, I mean, we said this last year where it was like, hey, you know, NAU could have seven All-Americans, which <laughs> didn't really happen. But really, on paper, like, you look at their their season as a collective whole, and they could have had seven All-Americans in theory. Yeah. You know, they were that they were that good. And maybe, you know, when, when they had their full top-tier lineup, they were that good. So, um, you know, it, it's, we'll see what happens. Um, that's, that's a problem that I wouldn't want to have to figure out, so... Yeah, well, I, I mean, if you have that problem, that means you're probably doing something right. It's uh, a good which, problem to have, yes, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, we did have some late additions here to our mailbag. How fast could Edward Cheserek run an 800? Uh, all right, we'll give our guesses on three. Uh, okay. Um, all right. I Wait, are, we, we're talk, are we talking right now or are we talking? Uh, I don't know. What do you say? Like in, in peak shape? Like... Yeah, we'll say we'll say like peak shape for what he's usually racing, which is like the five k or okay. like the three k, yeah. whatever. All right, ready? Three, two, one. One forty-six. Oh, wait, wait, you're going one forty-six? Uh, uh, you know what? Actually, he's run three forty-nine. Yeah. In the yeah. mile. Uh, I don't know if I would go one forty-six. I would maybe meet you in the middle at one forty-seven. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's probably in that 147 range. If you, I mean, if you can run that fast in the mile, it it doesn't seem like a stretch to say. I mean, although I don't know what's Centro run in the 800. Is he is he under 146? Um, yeah, he's not. He's no, no, he's definitely not under 146. Okay. I don't think. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think his 800 is all that fast. Granted, yeah. he never runs the 800. Exactly. Like at least not seriously. Um, but like if Chez was like seriously running an all out 800 in prime peak shape, I feel like 147. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Centrowitz versus Clayton Murphy in a thousand or a 1200. So didn't they already do this though? I thought they already did Maybe. This. I, I don't know. Did, did we say Centrowitz versus Murphy or was it somebody else? I think it might have been Angles. Well, I think no, no, no. Was- I mean, I mean, like, the, oh, like the yes, race, they actually oh, raced. The race yeah. literally happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, in the thousand, did they do that? Yeah, I think it was a thousand. Who won? Was it Centro? 
I think it was I think it was Centro, but only like a weird tactical positioning thing. Okay. I I forget. I don't really I don't really remember, but um I'd probably nowadays nowadays I'd say it's yes. it's Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Murphy Murphy just based off I mean, he's run 143. I I think that's that's kind of the deal breaker. If if we're looking at a thousand, I think it's definitely Murphy. Twelve hundred, maybe Centrowitz has a little bit more of a shot, but it's probably still Murphy. Yeah, well, Murphy's around one forty two nine three or one four. Jeez, I know you forget oh, how gosh. fast that that Olympic, Olympic bronze race was. was so fast. It year. was insane. It was so great. Yeah, I remember. I was like, wait, I thought it was a one forty as a one forty two nine three at the Olympics. Yeah, it's that's a good crazy. time to yeah. do it. <laughs> So, yeah, plus in Centro is just like moving up in distance now anyways. Yeah. Like he's, he's still at the mile, but I think eventually he's moving up to longer distances. He's already a 13 flat 5K guy. so Which I mean. is just wild. <laughs> takes me 13 minutes to get to my fridge. Like that's just <laughs> – Oh, gosh. Yeah, we shouldn't compare ourselves to, to no, these guys. That, that no, just probably, hurt probably not. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that wraps it up for the mailbag, and I think that will wrap it up for the podcast. Um Again, like Garrett said, please feel free to send in any ideas, thoughts, things that you want us to talk about. We are eager to continue doing this, um, but as there are no races, it's a little bit harder to figure out things to talk about. Um, But I know we do have uh, some things coming, hopefully, in the next uh, week or so. Um, Garrett, do you want to give them any ideas on what they can expect from a content perspective? Nope. (laughs) You're going to sit there and you're going to wait it out because I have no idea when it's coming, but hopefully soon. (laughs) Hey, just know that it's coming. We'll we'll surprise you. We we won't even give you a little teaser. Um, But yeah, I think this was a good look at uh, what we can expect uh, from our recruiting class in 2020 uh, fall season. It'll be really exciting to see these guys race. It'll It'll be exciting to see any races, period honestly yes. at this point um but we do appreciate your guys' support leave us a apple five star uh rating and review means a lot to us um and if you guys have any questions thoughts concerns please 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 send that in to us we are very happy for any and all feedback there you go so except except the negative stuff Don't yeah send that. <laughs> send constructive criticism i'll take that yeah yeah <laughs> sure sure that too um but no, yeah, we appreciate all the support. Uh, hang with us. We're working, and uh, we'll figure things out. All right. Well, Garrett, until next time, I'll talk to you, man. I'll talk to you.